Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos on social media. Welcome back to So Over 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. Soul Organized Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us on So Over 50 podcast. Today is a mending podcast. So Over 50 intersects with all communities. Wendy or Wendy7 was nominated on the podcast Instagram account recently because she does some really creative mending. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Wendy. You're very welcome, Maria. How are you? I'm great. And look, I'm really pleased to meet you and to let everyone know your story today. How did you develop your online name? It's actually just my initial and my last name. It's W for Wendy, which is spelt in the conventional way, and then my last name is Hendy. I actually have a rhyming name. I married my husband 27 years ago, and the joke is in there ever since. Wendy with an H in it sounds the same as Wendy, and I like that, that so why not use it? Seven is just because other numbers were taken, and... Seven is the number that people choose if you ask them to pick a number between one and ten, apparently. So that's why it's Wendy Seven. What made you start sewing and how did you learn? The simple answer to that is my mum. She learned from her mum, my gran, but my mum also studied O-level needlework at school. So she had a little bit of formal training as well. She grew up in Blackburn in Lancashire in the northwest of England, and that was the centre of the cotton weaving industry in the UK and actually both my grandparents had worked in the cotton mills when they left school that was not a good place to work they found new jobs as soon as they could as cotton mills were really noisy and dangerous places to work actually my grand told me that a lot of people of her generation could lip read because the noise in the mill meant that you couldn't hold a conversation ordinarily they left mills the mills played a big part in my my mom and my grand's life they often got fabric from there and I actually still have some pieces of unbleached cotton in my airing cupboard which were put aside at some stage to be used as bandages apparently but uh, you know they're just pieces of cotton. My gran used to sew for the family on a, a, a treadle sewing machine and when I was small I used to go and sit on the floor and rock the treadle because I loved the smooth sort of working of the band and the, and the treadle. I never knew my grandfather. He died when my mother was 13. Money was tight in the family. So she grew up knowing nothing other than making things last and mending. So I followed the example that's been set by my mum for looking after things and mending things. She always made clothes for me and my little brother when I was small and for herself. And used to do things like I had a favourite before it was made from a maternity dress that I know from photographs she wore when she was pregnant with my brother. She always had a scrap bag. When I was small, I started trying to make false clothes. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table, having made three tubes of fabric, two arms and a, a body tube, and trying to work out how you join those two sleeve tubes onto the body tube to make a top for my doll. It was a puzzle. Obviously, you know, an, an armhole and, and, and sleeve just didn't compute at that time. My mum taught me how to make a gathered skirt to a fixed waistband for my, for my own measurements. And once I'd done that, I was allowed to start my first sewing pattern. And I still have it. And it's aged 11. So that's how old I was. 
was for a, a really trendy ruffled blouse and a clock that I made in a pink floral fabric. I mean, it was very, very fashionable. And I remember making it after school. We used to have a student babysitter because my parents were both out at work and uh, her name was Caroline. And she uh, reported to my mum, I've never seen anyone put a piece of clothing together so fast. She'd watch me rushing between the machine and the ironing board, sewing different bits and pieces together, following the pattern to make this outfit. So that was, I was very proud of that. Both my parents contributed to the mending side of my sewing career. They were both university academics. My mum was a mathematician, my dad a physicist, which doesn't sound very promising in terms of you know, creative endeavour. But they were very used to solving problems. And I think theoretically and practically, you know, their minds were in the right place for that. One school year, I started the school year with a new uniform skirt. It wasn't a designated skirt. So I'd gone to a shop and bought a, a long, full navy blue skirt. And I thought it was, it was fantastic. I used to cycle to school. And on the second day of term, cycling home, stopping at a junction, my skirt got caught in the brake rocks on the rear wheel of my bike. And it ripped fabric. And I thought the skirt was ruined. I came home to my mom and said, well, obviously, we'll just have to cut it off and shorten it. I was just horrified. The idea that this wonderful skirt was going to end up anything less than fashionable in terms of length was disastrous. But I put a thinking cap on and uh, realised that it had come with a tie belt, which was about, I don't know, three inches broad. The rip was actually parallel with the hem of the skirt. And he got the tie belt and attached it around as a band covering the damage. And the skirt was then used for a couple of years. I grew out of it. My dad, whilst all this had been going on, had been in the garage. And he had actually made a skirt guard for the rear wheel of my bike an aluminium and attached it and that skirt guard prevented further damage and actually outlived the bike so you know both my parents uh, contributed to, to solving that particular problem. You wouldn't think about a skirt being caught in the bike and the fact that your dad developed that guard to help you out that was really lovely of him to to think that through for you. Yeah I think he'd seen them somewhere before because we lived in a university town, there were a lot of bikes, but the ones he'd seen were, were plastic and he really didn't have a lot of time for that. <laughs> we were flimsy and, and so this one was custom made. <laughs> it was really good. Your mum and dad were wonderful people. Thank you. What's your current sewing focus? I would describe my sewing focus at the moment as being one of finding smart solutions, which I know makes me sound like a software company, <laughs> but... What I could find as a way of describing where I'm at at the moment, mm -hmm. I like finding something new to do in a pattern. I like that light bulb moment when I understand why a designer has chosen to do something a certain way, why they've decided to attach a pocket in a particular way, why they added smocking in a place mm -hmm. or, or to learn a new technique. And I have a lot of time for the efficiency and cleverness of zero waste patterns. It can be a lot of joy and I find them fascinating. In particular, I like some Haywood's patterns, Atlas Haywood 3754, who I know you've had on the podcast. Yep. 
I, I really enjoy her patterns. I can read them like a, a, a novel and I absorb the journey and enjoy unraveling the mystery as to how she puts them together. It's, they're a lot of fun. In fact, I spend time when she's about to release a new pattern and she shows a photograph. I try to work out what she's done and I, I sit here cutting up bits of paper, cutting up the bubble tube from a toilet roll at one point to try and understand and try and work it out before she releases the pattern. <laughs> she's quite innovative in how she develops the zero waste pattern and you've obviously enjoyed it and I've heard a lot of other people say that they love what she's doing. Yes. Yeah, I, I really like how you don't have to work from a pattern, that it's all from measurement, and, and yet she can achieve the, the size range that she has. Um, I think that's really, really clever. So what else are you focusing on with your sewing? Well, I think mending is also finding smart solutions to problems, and it's something I've become much more aware that I do. I've always done it. I've kind of brushed it to one side as, as just uh, run-of-the-mill and, and not something to post on, on Instagram. I've always mended things, holes and socks, runs in my tights, patches on my boys' trousers when they were small. But I've started to share it because I've seen other people sharing. And I got assuming that everybody would be doing this, everyone would be repairing things because that's what I knew. Uh, I know people of my age who don't have sewing kits at home. And I know from um, when my boys were Cub Scouts, people who didn't have the means to sew edges onto their son's uniform. They would actually use glue because they didn't have a needle and thread at home. So some people don't have infinite resources to mend with and doing some ordinary mending and what small things can be done make quite a big difference to the life of clothing or the life of an article, I think is useful. I often show what I would describe as like boring mending. And Catherine will tell me all that. She says, I mustn't say that. But I'll sew up the side of a pillowcase or a hole in a T-shirt. And these things don't look particularly attractive on Instagram. But I think it's important to show that they happen and that, that they are useful and, and important in their own right. Sometimes I do more interesting things. Recently, I turned the collar on the shirt of my husband, which was something I hadn't done before so that the worn collar is, is hidden. And I um, was darning socks, and I have been sent a load of uh, variegated wool from an Instagram friend, Inca56. She sent me her spare wool because I don't knit, and I was able to produce a really pretty darn on the sole of my navy blue sock. So those ones are more photogenic, but it doesn't have to be impressive or fancy to be functional. When I was a teenager, I bought a bottle of clear nail varnish for my nails. It was to stop runs in my tights, just put a dab of nail varnish at the end of it. Functional, um, but doing something was better than nothing. And I think ordinary mending has value. And I think I was in the same camp of buying clear nail varnish to mend my tights when I was at school as well. Yes. Yeah, I could tell friends who had done things in a rush in the morning, they would have a red dot, <laughs> not <laughs> <their nail varnish. laughs> Exactly. Is visible mending important to you? Visible mending has been a revelation, and I think it's a, a nice, quiet revolution. It celebrates what my mum's needlework insisted had to be as well hidden as possible. It was 
shameful to show men, but I'm in awe of some of the works of art other people produce. I am not talented in terms of colour or design, but I have got one pair of jeans now, which is my full mending experiment, and I'm, I'm trying out full mending techniques on that one. So visible mending is in its infancy with me, and my family would be horrified if I visibly mended their socks or shirts or whatever. And I, I really like the showing acceptance that fixing something is a good thing to do. It is good to see people are accepting seeing mending done in a visible way. It's, it's quite a change. Yeah, I've seen a lot of news stories because of COP26 about trying to be more sustainable. And I've seen several articles uh, on news websites here promoting mending and looking after clothing for longer in particular. Yep, the press are catching on. How do you support Mending Mayhem? Well, Mending Mayhem is a, a really fun group to be part of. And I have to thank my friend Tricia at Morris Sows for introducing it to me. Catherine and Annette, who run it, are brilliant. They exude enthusiasm and mending positivity. And they celebrate all kinds of mending. I, I was stunned last year, uh, Catherine mended a snowmobile, which I thought was wonderful. It's like the regular reappearance of Mr. Mayhem's jacket and jeans is a source of great fun. There's also a shared empathy for the seemingly never diminishing pile of sock mends that so many people have, which is another source of fun. If I have mending, I try to post something for Mending Mayhem. And at Evelyn Wood's Monday Mending, even if it's something that I would describe as very boring, but I try to do something each week. And I think my mum would thoroughly approve of this stitch in time approach. So, Wendy, do you only mend clothing? Is there anything else that you mend? I actually um, uh, mentioned mending my washing machine as part of a Mending Mayhem post week. <laughs> The washing machine was making a, a terrible noise and uh, my husband came into the kitchen and he said, oh, that doesn't sound good. And when the, the cycle had finished, I was washing out and I got the instruction book and I emptied the filter and found that the elastic bag on my son's bottom had got caught in the filter and it was being whirled around and this was making the horrible noise. It sounded like the machine was, was dying but it was just this elastic bag. So that was, that was my mending of a machine, which was a different project rather than mending socks. I also have a lot of fun with the summer challenge of the bingo game with Mending Mayhem. The bingo cards contain a lot of prompts that you can tick off when you put an appropriate mend. And there's a lot of license taken with the prompts on the bingo card, uh, which can result in some clever interpretation and some interesting comment exchange. But the mending gets done and it's, it's fun. You know, if anyone hasn't had a look at Mending Mayhem and the bingo challenge that happened in the summer, I encourage listeners to go and have a look and see exactly what you're talking about, Wendy. It's a lot of fun and it looks like a massive challenge on, at the outset. But uh, if you get a bit creative with the prompts, they, uh, you can tick them off quite quickly. So how long have you been part of the Serve 50 community? Well, I am actually only a recent official member being joined earlier this year. But I've actually followed along since it started. 
they've always been a very inclusive community and I've connected with many kindred spirits, um, made many friends and I love the wealth of experience and skill that is shared. I've been sewing solo since my mom died 14 years ago and it's a real pleasure to be able to share sewing with other people again. And I think my husband and boys are really quite pleased that they don't have to discuss it with me or appear to be interested. Sour Over 50 has been such a great community to bring a lot of people together. And especially since we've all been in various lockdowns, you know, it's been a great way to share amongst each other. I think a lockdown would have been a very different experience for all of us with, without Sew Over 50. It's been a fantastic community and positive throughout it really has been a massive help for so many people it has what thoughts do you want to leave listeners about making the most of your resources suppose look after things to maintain them or mend them so that they last as long as possible a couple of weeks ago i took my 29 year old sewing machine in for a service it hadn't had one for five years slightly overdue but the service guy Brett he asked me um I use my machine much because it was really very clean and in very good condition and I laughed at him and I said it gets used all the time it gets used a couple of days a week most weeks but I do clean and oil it after every major project and that has obviously made a difference so I think that experience uh, has proved to me that actually maintaining things not just clothing is, is very important. So it's great that the service guy saw the results of your ongoing maintenance of your machine. So that's really great. I mean, he, he services machines all the time. So uh, you know what he's talking about. So I'll accept his expertise. <laughs> that's great. Wendy, thank you for coming onto the podcast to talk about what mending is to you and sharing the story of how your mum and dad have given you the skills to continue on with mending and making the most of the resources around you. Thank you very much, Maria. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you. That's great. And thank you again for coming on the podcast. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And have a lovely day, listeners. This mending episode of Solganized Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Wendy, soundbybensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast spelled with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to us. There are over 280 free podcasts to listen to, and every podcast is free. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at Soul Organized Style or on our website at www.soulorganizedstyle.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.